Welcome to Trivially Crucial, where we believe every boy wonder, eco-villain, heart of ice, and anatomically correct superhero suit is important and critical to our lives, no matter how unimportant the story may seem. I'm Michael. And I'm Mandy. And today we're talking about the Schumacher Batman movies, which are uh, Batman Forever from 1995 and Batman and Robin from 1997. And I think we have different things to say about these than the last two. I I, I agreed. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I guess we'll take these one at a time. And uh, we could probably start off by saying that uh, last time you talked a bunch about how Batman Forever held a very significant spot in your life and it was your favorite one of these growing up right yes and uh i was skeptical maybe let's say and uh, i have to apologize because wow this movie holds up a lot better than i thought it did it is so good like i i was i was expecting to be like crushed right (laughs) i was going into it like oh no i i need to i need to protect myself this movie's gonna be bad uh it's i mean it has its things but those things aren't necessarily bad. Like it's villains are very comic booky, but so is the Joker, you know. So it, uh, it it's kind of still trying to be in tone with those Burton movies, uh, right? And you know, I the only thing I can surmise right now as my overall opinion of why people hate these movies is because they hate Robin. Maybe, but man, he's actually a pretty positive aspect of this he is like the best thing in these movies i'm not gonna lie like i i, I mean alfred's the best thing in these movies Let's i not wouldn't say these movies i would definitely say this movie he's up there i i have different opinions when it comes to batman and robin which i guess we'll talk about but yeah. but he's, he's definitely influence <laughs> it's true um yeah chris o'donnell does a pretty okay job i mean i guess we can start with robin and then go out from there we want to want to do that sure so um yeah Let's talk about Dick Grayson. Uh, I will admit, I love Dick Grayson, so I am biased. Uh, probably because of these movies, but, you know, I am more drawn to Nightwing and uh, Dick Grayson comics than I am to Batman comics uh, for a variety of reasons. But I think Chris O'Donnell, you know, yes, it's an aged-up Robin, but I don't think anyone would have been comfortable with a 12-year-old Robin. So I am... Uh, on board in general with Dick Grayson. I really like Nightwing. Now, granted, my affection for him comes from the animated series, and I do think that's a better version of him. But, uh, but still, I like it a lot here. Uh, I like the, you know, I, I like what he does. I think his earring is a little silly, but this was the nineties. The nineties, <laughs> and I'm sure it was really cool then. <laughs> uh, it showed he was uh, edgy. Yeah, his his background is a little bit weird in this because I mean, while it's always it's the Flying Graysons, which is a normal part of you know. Robin's background, of Dick Grayson's background specifically, uh, it does feel a little weird that he already, like, knows martial arts, or at least seems to, and his little montage of showing off his skills by doing laundry in front of Alfred was a little awkward. Oh, yeah, I Um, I commented on that. (laughs) I had something about that, like, what is the most awkward way to do laundry, first off? Like, I, I don't even understand. And also, does Bruce Wayne not have a dryer? Like... Uh, the dryer was right there. I don't. And why is I he hanging like, all his clothes? I was like, Robin, you're getting the floor wet. That's more work for Alfred. Stop it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. Alfred and Robin together were my favorite thing about this movie. Like, oh, they, yeah, their, their chemistry is great. Their banter, like, I mean, it's just, it's like Robin. What's back there? And Alfred's like, Mister Wayne's dead wives. <laughs> and I'm just like, yes, that 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 was just like the perfect response, Alfred, because it's so ridiculous. 
<laughs> and then it, and then he follows up with like the silver whatever the silver closet is like you do realize that you actually have silver back there yes and like a secret door is like if you just showed him that it's like oh it's just the silver closet he would be much less likely to throw himself into the room with force thereby pushing forward the, uh, open the secret door later also that so. was the most ridiculous way to get down those stairs <laughs> yes yes it was uh, but he's an acrobat and he's got to use his acrobat skills yeah um now that said if there were going to be anyone that i would think would have the physical strength to keep up with batman it would probably be like a gymnast or acrobat right who is still in practice because anytime i watch the olympics or something and i see like the male gymnasts i look at them i'm like i wouldn't mind those muscles so <laughs> i'm just i'm just saying um yeah. so uh yeah it, it it's interesting of course because we commented last time um as an aside that uh What's his name? I can't even think of his name. Commissioner Gordon is kind of useless in this series, and he continues yes. to be. But yes. he does bring <laughs> Dick Grayson to the house. So That's like his that. one job. <laughs> that and turn on the bat signal. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Commissioner Gordon continues to be a useless lump in these movies. And uh, it's it's just such a waste of a character. Yep. 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 Um, okay. So I think we we've touched just enough on... Dick Grayson will talk more about like his their relationship as we get to plot points, I guess. Um, yeah, but I think we he, need to talk about Batman. Yes, yes. Val Kilmer as Batman. Thoughts? Yeah. I don't really have any thoughts. Like, I remember asking myself during the movie, is like, do I have any thoughts about this? And I really didn't. I mean, it just felt like he kind of was playing the part and that was that. Yeah, um, I, I think he's a little bland, um, actually. Uh but I know Val Kilmer is a good actor, so all the decisions he made in this movie are, like, purposeful. Um, he just plays Bruce Wayne as kind of lacking a personality. Yeah. And maybe it's, I don't know, maybe he's trying too hard to, uh, to emulate Michael Keaton's kind of non-Playboy-esque Batman. I don't know. It was really weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think it was, it wasn't offensive <laughs> yeah it wasn't offensive it was just kind of you know passable yeah i i was actually disappointed with that because i remembered this movie as my favorite right so i thought clearly this is the bat means this is the best batman but I, I don't think he is the best batman uh but he does a decent job so so do you like him better or worse than michael keaton uh uh michael keaton adds more personality but michael keaton is not bruce wayne <laughs> michael okay. keaton plays michael keaton uh, uh, whereas Val Kilmer is attempting to play Bruce Wayne, uh, he just does it in a bland way. So do with that what you will. Okay, so to be fair, and we're going to get this to much more in the next movie, there are a lot of the characters in this that are not really their characters. So yeah. I'm just kind of like, eh, I'll give, I'll give Michael Keaton a pass too. Um, Michael Keaton was more entertaining to watch than Val Kilmer was entertaining to watch. But Val Kilmer is more handsome. Um, okay. I mean, I assume <laughs> that they're both, uh, they're both some guys. So. That is not true. Michael Keaton is an awkward looking man. He is not <laughs> <Okay>. handsome. <laughs> All right. All Maybe right. that's a controversial opinion, but the man is Beetlejuice. Mandy's hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Val Kilmer sort of plays Batman, like in the prequel school of acting, uh, Star Wars prequels, which is just kind of emotionless, uh, it's not kind of a phoned lot of reflection. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of wondered if he was phoning this in. Uh, but maybe, considering he is a decent actor, I, I was like, this. I feel like this is like an actual choice he made. So I kind of question that. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and part of it could have been directing too, and so on. So, uh, you know, we, we won't really get that much insight into it, I guess. True. Um, okay. So going from Batman, uh, you did mention the villains and being comic booky a lot like Joker. And that is definitely a thing that stood out to me specifically, actually Tommy Lee Jones, um, and his implementation of Two-Face, like they talked about him having split personalities, but honestly, like 95% of the time that was only evident in the different aesthetics of his two physical sides. And otherwise it was like, it felt like Tommy Lee Jones trying to do exactly the same thing Jack Nicholson did with the Joker, which is fine with me, but it really didn't feel like he was a significantly different villain from the Joker. Um, He just kind of seemed like a crazy guy. I thought he was significantly different from the Joker, but on the other hand, the Joker terrified me and Two-Face didn't. So okay. uh, I I feel like he I mean he was tied to his coin, um, which the Joker would never do something. I mean he might just for kicks, but he's not going to tie himself to something like that, right? Um, and you know yes he had his two different aesthetics, but he kind of had two different speaking. He had three speaking voices. I would say he had his like a Harvey Dent like you know ur- urbane gentleman speaking voice he had his crazy speaking voice and then he had one that was like in between when he when he was like couldn't decide what to do i not like the character couldn't decide what to do but like i guess tommy lee jones didn't know which character would be saying that <laughs> um so uh, i i don't know i i think he's fairly different from the joker but i can also see that uh i i just to me he was a very comic book two-face you know when you compare him to let's say um uh the new not the new movies they're not even the newest batman movies anymore the nolan <laughs> uh two-face uh you know it's a vastly different take um but is one less ridiculous than the other we could argue about that and we will when we talk about the dark knight <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh they're they're different takes of that character right obviously harvey mm-hmm. did i'm just really disappointed that uh, why did they go with Tommy Lee Jones? Why? Like, we already had Harvey Dent in this universe. I- uh, well, I'm sure that was like, well, I don't know, actually. I was going to say they needed a big name, but it's not like, you know, Star Wars wasn't a big deal. Right. <laughs> so, ah, oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, that's the movie I want to see, where um, Tommy Lee Jones was instead played by uh, Lando Carrizian, which is not his real name, but I can't remember. Well, you also said that you wanted. Billy D. Williams. You also said you wanted an actor to be played by a character. So, <laughs> you said Tommy Lee Jones instead of uh, Harvey uh, Dent. So, <laughs> yeah, every, everyone knows what I mean. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, I kind of question Two Face's plans in this movie. Yeah, they don't really make a lot of sense. But on the other hand, Joker's plans didn't make sense either, and I still don't know what Penguin's plan ever was. So. Yeah. Uh, maybe Batman villains don't need plans that make sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm speaking of Batman villains with plans that don't need to make much sense. Um, we meet Dr. Edward Nigma, the Riddler. Oh, the Riddler. Played by Jim Carrey. Um, do you have immediate thoughts on him? I do. Okay. Uh, Fill me with the, your thoughts. Jim Carrey in this movie is playing Jim Carrey. Like, yeah, he is. That, that is, like, I remember really liking him as Riddler. And and I do think Jim Carrey's personality makes a good Riddler. Uh, but I'm like, this is Jim Carrey is not acting. He is yeah. Jim Carrey. Like you know, I've seen movies where Jim Carrey acts. You know, the Truman Show, um, yeah. the the Majestic. 
Uh, you know, but this is Jim Carrey playing the mask. This is Jim Carrey he's playing doing his stick. Yeah, right. he's doing his shtick. And it, and it's just it kind of pulled me out of the movie because I was like, that's not Riddler. That's Jim Carrey. There were parts where it felt like, oh, OK, wait, there's a little bit of acting going on here, but most of it not. Um, I still think it works fine. Like you said, it he he works for the Riddler. Right. Um, but his plan didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, it, I, I will say it made more sense than Two Face's plan in that yes. I feel like Riddler's plan had a goal, <laughs> which was he's trying to get smart by taking knowledge from everyone watching TV. I don't know. It was a weird plan, but it but it was a goal, right? Two Face didn't really have a goal. He didn't have a desire. I feel like other than causing chaos, um, I I other he wanted to know who Batman was and he wanted to kill Batman, but it, it was not like he was trying to take over the city. The two of these characters remind me much more of the Joker than Penguin in terms of uh, observing them and the way that they're insane and so on. But uh, one of the interesting things to me is that, so I guess what we, you know, we have with Two-Face, he goes crazy because of acid, which is a lot like the Joker, I guess. Like they're both kind of messed. Well, I don't even know if we know that Harvey Dent was messed up at all before the acid hit his face. Like, I really question that acid, but that's besides the point. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I want to really know what these people are doing to their acid. Like, maybe they call some other substance acid. Maybe, but you know, at the beginning where uh, Batman and that other guy are in, like, that vault and it, like, eats the guy's shoe. If the acid was that strong, it would be eating through the vault. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it's special acid that doesn't react with metals. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can think of is like maybe the vault is so thick that it it just it's taking time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll go with that. I don't know that it, that's possible if it was going to eat the shoes that quickly. <laughs> um. So so there's that. Uh. But also. So you know we talked about. I kind of pointed fun at this with uh or poked fun at this with uh the Joker initially, and then a little bit more is the villains and their toys and how they get them and mm-hmm. they get them really fast. So we talked about back with the Joker in the original Batman movie, how, like how did he so quickly get all of his like crazy making stuff into everybody's supplies yeah. in Gotham and like a whole parade. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Jim Carrey or excuse me, the Riddler or Dr. Nigma starts selling this <laughs> box for people to put on top of their TVs. Right. Right. If you look at the rate of rollout, that is like the fastest selling consumer product of any kind in like human history, like way faster than the iPhones where people line up outside of stores for years and years and years and years or for not years for hours and hours and hours after years of buildup from model to model to model, you know, Uh, because iPhone by today's standards is actually the fastest selling consumer product of all time. Uh, Like each time a new one comes out, it sells millions in a weekend. And it's like that. How how did you convince people from just like a really short marketing campaign? And how did you like in this movie universe, they have magical powers of operational uh, management. Like, <laughs> like, How did you produce so many so quickly? You know, um, so yeah, I, I'm very impressed with Dr. Nigma's because, you know, clearly he's a genius in terms of, you know, being able to develop this weird electronic device that tampers with your brainwaves. But he's also clearly an operations genius and really missed his uh, his calling as a COO of a Fortune 500 company, raking in <laughs> millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of had the same thought of like he went from being fired one day to now he's like having press conferences. Like, 
why would anyone listen to him? Like if I started a company tomorrow and tried to call a press conference, no one would come. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, that's after he, uh, you know, gets together with Two-Face. So I feel like it's the implication that it's Harvey Dent's connections. But on the other hand, who's listening to Harvey Dent anymore? The man is clearly insane. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't make sense, but at some point with all four of these movies, you have to accept that the villains just, they just don't make sense. They, they just have magic. <laughs> they, they make their stuff work. <laughs> yes. And so in the Marvel cinematic universe, science is magic. And in this, and that's true of like the DC TV stuff, but in this, it's just like the general rules of the world get supplanted with magic sometimes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so going along this line, though, with tapping into how the villains, you know, enter the like, how the villains think and do things, you know, we talked about some of the how in the first movie, it was a little bit too blatant when they just beat us over the head with the, well, I created you, Batman, and you created me thing. And so they decided, you know, that wasn't quite clear enough. So we're going to have our chief female character be a psychologist so we can actually just talk about psychology for lengthy periods of time in this movie. All right, can we talk uh, about Nicole Kidman's character? Yes, Dr. Chase Meridian. Let's talk about her. She's crazy. Yes, she is a psychopath. How is she a psychiatrist? <laughs> She's literally insane. Like, I mean, not insane on the level of, like, the Riddler, but, like, she clearly has issues she needs to work through with a psychiatrist. Uh, it's true because she has this whole thing where she's attracted to batman because he's batman which sure batman is an attractive man but like the reason she's attracted to him is just so weird and it's very disconcerting the whole thing comes off as like she could be a villain at any moment like she's going to turn into a villain yeah it really feels like they were maybe setting up for a harley-esque kind of thing with her because she feels like the kind of person who would do that Agreed. Yes, she felt very Harley Quinn. And so I was going to ask you, this is after Harley Quinn is invented, right? Uh, I believe... Yes, yeah, it is. Because the Batman animated series started in 92, and this was 95. So Harley Quinn would have been probably in like 93 or 94. No, first season of 90, uh, of the animated series. So I'm I can think of an episode. if they thought Harley Quinn is so popular, let's make a female, like, well, she is still female. Let's make a good version of Harley Quinn. Like, is, was that what they were thinking? Cause, but she comes off with the same, like, the same kind of manic uh, duality, if that makes sense. I was thinking maybe, maybe they were leaving themselves with the opening. You know, like, hey, we could do this in the next movie if we feel like it. Because I bet they didn't yet know what villains they were going to use for Batman and Robin. Or if there was going to be a Batman and Robin. Right. Um, because one thing to point out, too, with Batman and Robin is they did use Bane, who is a brand new hero, like he or brand new villain. He was created in 93, I want to say, um, in the comics. So, like, clearly they were willing to go with newer characters for it. Um, so I, I could imagine them maybe setting themselves up, but... We won't really know. Um, but yeah, it does feel like she's a Harley Quinn character in the making because she's more than a little crazy. She was very disturbing to me. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and there's this whole scene where they're being attacked, right? Um, well, there's a couple scenes, but there's one in particular where they're, they're being attacked. It's when they're at Nygma's like, show um, and, and Two-Face shows up. Uh, and uh, so Batman shows up and she like kisses and distracts Batman. And the entire time I'm like, 
Two-Face is killing people, or at least threatening people, and you're distracting Batman. I don't care how attracted you are to him. Like, you are literally putting people's lives in dangers right now. And why is Batman letting her do that? Like, I feel like Batman should not be that seducible. And of course, I feel like they played that both in this movie and in Batman Returns, and that bothers me. Like, I feel like when you put on the suit, you put your sexual feelings aside, you know? Yes. Uh, And it's just baffling to me. Yeah, Batman Batman in this franchise is flawed in that way to a degree that he really shouldn't be. Um, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that this is part of the, if anything, you talk about the psychology of Bruce Wayne and Batman is like, you know, it's almost like a separate personality that doesn't have those feelings, you know, right. a lot of the time. Um, like, yeah. Bruce Wayne has sexuality. Batman should be asexual. Like, because he should be so focused on crime. He doesn't have time to kiss the girl, right? Like, unless it's after the crime has been stopped, <laughs> not yeah. mid-crime. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. It, it was a uh, very, very weird. Um, and there's so- also a scene where he's with Chase Meridian earlier um, at the Flying Grayson Circus, uh, which I don't know what that circus is called. And Two-Face shows up and he's like, we need, you know, I need to know who Batman is. And uh, Bruce Wayne shouts. Uh, I am Batman, Harvey. And she is standing right there. Yeah. I don't yeah, care I was like, how loud it is. <laughs> yeah, no matter it. how loud it is, like, at least five or six people around you are going to hear you. If you're shouting in an attempt to get the guy in the middle to hear you, yeah, they're going to hear you. Like, the, the random reporter lady who likes to gossip about your relationships now knows... Uh, the girl that is there as your date knows, the random stranger in front of you knows. And you and know. it could be maybe multiple people to stop the destruction. We're trying to say, I am Batman, take me instead. So maybe people write it off that way. But she doesn't even react. It's like she didn't hear him and he shouted it. And I'm like, yeah. she should at least look at him and be like, what are you doing? You can't say you're Batman. You know, you're just going to get yourself killed. Uh, but instead, it, it's just like no one heard him. Now, that said, it did make me like Bruce Wayne and that, uh, okay, yeah, that's what a hero would do is, like, be willing to give yourself up to save these people if you don't see any other way out. Um, so I, I like that a little bit, even though clearly that wouldn't work for the plot. And he didn't try very hard. Like, just don't shout from where you're standing and, like, rush forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and also, if you're going to give yourself up in front of all these people... You could, like, yeah, maybe you can't just walk down because of how crazy people are, but you could do a flip over them, like you have the ability, <laughs> you know? And then it's like, and then everybody would pay attention to you because you were this random rich guy who just did this flip into the middle of the... Yeah. Uh, of the, what's it called? The the big top? Is that what? The, the tent. That's the, the word I'm... Yeah, I think yeah. you can call it the big top. <laughs> right. Oh, this reminds me, Barnum and Bailey is going uh, out of business for, mm-hmm. like, after how long? There will be no more, uh, no more Robins. No, they'll yeah. just come from Cirque du Soleil in the future. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, along these lines, so I guess we have the general story. We're we're given the background of Harvey Dent has just like a random hatred for uh, Batman because he failed to save him, and he's psycho, and therefore has put the blame on Batman. Right? Is that is that what we get from this? Yeah, it's it's very confusing. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then Dr. Nigma is a crazy person who hates Bruce Wayne for cutting off his funding mm-hmm. when really all Bruce Wayne was asking for was like, hey, let's have a meeting. That, I did not understand that. Okay, as an engineer, you ask for funding 
Your boss says, okay, arrange it with my secretary and we'll talk about it. You say, good. <laughs> you, you don't say, no, I need to know now, which of course forces the boss to be like, well, I can't give you funding then. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, I, I mean, maybe that's partially meant to just illustrate that he's already a crazy person. Not He's not just an awkward engineer who should be sympathized with. No, 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 he's actually crazy. Um, so I guess that's what they're going for. But uh, yeah, and, it, and his kind of like, you know, overnight, his love and affection for Bruce Wayne that then turns into hatred and wanting to top him on everything. Um, also, they make fun of his suit, but I think his suit fit just fine for the 90s. The bat suit? At one point. No, no, no. Uh, sorry, Jim Carrey. Like when he's wearing oh. a suit at the at the ball or whatever. Oh no, I think um, it's perfect for the '90s. Yeah. Yeah, it, I, I maybe it was just Tommy Lee or somebody just trying to get a rise out of him. The the woman um, who was with him, uh, and man, those two women—the one in the black, one in the white—that was super awkward. Drew Barrymore and uh, someone else. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's yeah. Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Sugar and spice is what their character names are, according uh, to IMDb. Yeah, Drew I don't Barrymore know how that Debbie relationship Mazar. works. I, 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 it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like anybody involved with them must be crazy. So um, I also continually wonder how all of these villains have so many henchmen. And so much money. Like, what are they giving to these henchmen? You know, like, what are they giving to them that keeps them coming and, you know, willing to throw themselves in harm's way like this? But <sighs> yeah, and I feel like there's one point where um, I'm sorry, I just completely lost my thought. <laughs> Um, Something to do with two. Well, oh, the, oh, okay. I I feel like it's not clear if Bruce Wayne and Harvey Dent knew each other. Like they insinuated a couple of times. Like Harvey says something like, "Oh, Bruce, you brain, you've always been a good friend," you know. Uh, yeah. But we've never seen them be friends. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's a little confusing. Yeah, it, it is a little confusing. It basically gives the impression that they know each other, and I guess. In this movie, if this is all your exposure, you could have the headcanon that, oh, they, you know, they're both prominent figures, right? Like, he's a rich person who gives to causes, and Harvey Dent was the DA, so, But if sure. that's the case, I feel like Bruce should be talking to Alfred about Harvey. Right, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not saying they did a good job of it or anything. Yeah, but they, they didn't do the work of being, like, you know, the, the one conversation where Bruce is like, you know, Alfred, I just... I really regret, you know, we, we used to be such good friends and now he's, you know, evil or whatever. Yeah. Right. And then it's like, nope, we're just going to drop this bomb at the end that like, oh, you were always such a good friend to me. What? When was that ever implied? <laughs> yeah. Um, <sighs> in the end, the plot to this movie is really, really simple. It's basically like Har Two-Face is already angry and doing stuff. Batman's stopping him. Uh, Dr. Nigma decides that he really wants to do this thing on his own and finds out that he can suck up other people's knowledge, which helps drive him forward more, or their brain power, I guess, which is not how brain waves work. And then after that, it's just like, okay, well, we have to knock Batman out of commission because otherwise we can't do our thing, right? Like, that's essentially it. And then they get shut down at the end. I mean, yeah, there is the whole, like, Robin getting introduced, which, by the way, this Batman still is so bad at, at cover. Like, <laughs> who is not going to recognize this adult dude who's just like flipping around right after an adult dude who's like what 17 or 18 17 i guess because he's a minor since that's the argument that he has to you know Stay have a guardian yeah like you literally have an acrobat whose family just died who's capable of doing this stuff i i don't 
I don't understand. <laughs> Commissioner Gordon is not very smart. I mean, I'll give you the average citizen probably doesn't know that Dick Grayson went to live with Batman. Uh, but yeah, I I just it, it kills me, especially in the next movie, which we'll talk yeah. about. It it particularly kills me there. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I mean, going from this movie to the next one, you're basically just going, uh, you know, it's like this is a house for wayward orphans whose parents were killed by people like who also apparently can fight crime but um which i mean is not that weird again but the cover when uh in the comics and other stories when dick grayson is younger and is like oh he's taken under his wing and then he has him for a couple of years and then is the boy wonder on the side like there are a lot of potential people who just have sons you know right right so so there's a lot of cover there especially when it doesn't happen like one two punch within you know a week or two but yeah so going back to robin uh i liked his story arc in this where you know uh two-face kills his family uh and he wants to murder two-face and uh of course comes to the decision not to do it right at the end when he's faced with letting two-face fall to his death he uh pulls him up and it just felt like a very i felt like they did a good job with that story arc you know with uh robin Dick Grayson pushing back against Bruce Wayne. Uh, and it really wasn't the Bruce. Uh, Bruce did say things to him that convinced him, but I really feel like it's the Alfred relationship that provided grounding for him so that, you know, he could, you know, grow up, uh, not grow up. That's wrong phrase. Probably step up, but step up and be the better man. Uh, and uh, get, get realize that revenge is not the answer. And I, and I just thought that was a really good, you know, little arc in this movie that for me really is the whole movie and the rest of it's just fluff. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Um, but that alone makes it enjoyable, uh, I think. Um, so we, one thing we haven't talked about at all is the aesthetics of the movie. Because uh, obviously, since this is no longer Tim Burton, it has a different aesthetic design. Uh, and I think it look, works pretty well. Like it builds on the other stuff. But uh, I think this movie is the first one where you see that like, it's not the first one where you have gigantic statues, but they feel more gigantic. And I guess that's part of it is just the state of special effects have improved from 91, I guess. Was it 91 or 92 with the previous movie? I'm um, not sure. I think it's 92. Yeah, probably. Uh, and so like in three years, special effects have gotten better. The franchise has continued to make money. So, you know, you can afford funding and so on. But they did a pretty good job. Like they have things that, you know, remind me of Atlas, the, you know, the mythological character and stuff like that. And they're just like giant and just through like as big as the buildings. And I think that's a really cool look for Gotham. Um, is it this movie or Batman and Rod? I think it's this movie that actually has the Statue of Liberty with Gotham on it, like written on the head, which just like threw me. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I don't remember that. I, I do remember Batman and Robin has a particularly large number of... Uh, large statues in Gotham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Batman and Robin really did it. But um, I think it was Batman Forever that had the... It did have just the Statue of Liberty. Like, there's not... That's exactly what it is, except that on her forehead or on her head, like along the crown, it says Gotham. And I'm like, I... Wait, so in this universe, did we get multiple statues? Or does New York not exist and Gotham is New York? Like, I assume what, New York does going not exist. Here? But okay. that's me. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, I I don't know that I have a lot more to say about this movie. Like, it holds up better than I thought. Like, it's not a great movie, but it holds up 
better than I thought it would. Certainly better than Batman Returns. It is certainly better than Batman Returns. And it galls me that Batman Returns is considered a better movie than this one. Like, I I will give you that Batman is probably the better movie. You know, I, I enjoy this one more because I enjoy the Bat family dynamic. You know, I I think Batman is missing a part of himself when he lacks Robin or a Robin, you know. Uh, to me, it might as well be it's Batman without Alfred. Like, what's the point? Um, because to me, Robin, as it's pointed out in this movie, the purpose of Robin from a storytelling perspective is to let Bruce Wayne grow up. It's to let yeah. him get over his own pain because he's seen himself at a younger age. Right. He's seen someone who has lost the, in the exact same way he has. And now instead of like nursing that pain as he does in the Nolan movies and in so other movies, so many other movies where he's just like nursing this pain that he lost his parents. Now he can channel that pain into creating a new family and helping another boy not go through what he went through. And without that, I I feel like we're just stunting Batman as a like, you know, a 21 year old man uh, when really I want a Batman who's a grown up and this allows Batman to get to that. And I'm fine with the movies starting without Robin and building us to Robin as if you consider these in the same universe as Batman and Batman Returns, we do. But I, I feel like a lot of the modern movies are just missing something when they don't have the Bat family. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it's, it is a bit harder to do the Bat family, I think, if you're going to bring in other DC characters. But that doesn't mean it's not possible to do. It's right. just harder. And anybody who's working in this creative field should be willing to do the work. So, uh, yeah. Uh, do we want to roll into the next movie? Oh, Batman and Robin. So, um, how do you feel about Batman and Robin compared to Batman Forever? I'm going to say something controversial. Are you prepared uh-huh. for this? I'm, I'm ready. Out of these four movies, George Clooney is the best Batman. <laughs> I was going to say he's my least favorite. <laughs> so. oh, he's the best. He is the best. He, he adds a, a weight and a gravitas, and, uh, and he, he pulls off Bruce Wayne because he is, you know, handsome and not, like, you know, socially awkward. And uh, he, he, like, is... He pulls off Bruce Wayne like he, he just does, you know. Yes, the Batman stunts are all over the top in this movie, but that is not George Clooney's fault. Uh, and uh, I, I just think he is uh, the best out of these three. Huh. So I, I think I mean, I don't care for him as Batman or Bruce Wayne. Um, I care for him less as Batman than Bruce Wayne. But I think part of it is me trying to slot him into this franchise where it just feels like a completely different character from before, which, I mean, we already have that when we changed actors previously, but uh, it doesn't work for me. I I don't know why, and maybe it's just he doesn't feel sincere enough, or maybe it's because he almost is bringing out a little bit of what I love about Bruce Wayne in the animated series, but doesn't nail it in the way that I would love him to. Um, I don't know. But something about it. And I really like George Clooney, and for some reason it doesn't work for me. So We'll just have well, to... Well, we don't need to argue about it. Disagree. Different feelings. <laughs> <laughs> that said, Robin is still the same, right? Uh, yes, Alfred's still Ronald's the same. Is... For some inexplicable reason, Commissioner Gordon is still the same. Uh, <laughs> his level Well, I mean, he's basically a non-part, so it doesn't <laughs> matter, right? Yeah, but uh, in this movie, uh, I understand why people consider this movie the worst movie but and possibly again controversial statement at least this movie is about batman looking at you batman returns 
I would say that this movie is as bad as Batman Returns, but for completely different reasons. So I, I think this movie has a level of cheese that makes it ridiculous, but watchable. And uh, yes, it's ridiculous. And there are things that are that are ridiculous. But Batman Returns to me is unwatchable. Whereas this is like get the popcorn mystery science theater it up, you know, uh, and that makes it a better I, movie. I, I think I would agree that I would rather watch this again than watch Batman Returns again. But that does not mean I think it's a better movie. I just think it's less painful. <laughs> so, um, which is different. Um, I, so I guess for me is cheese. You nailed it there because I remember having the thought where it's like, wow, this is channeling a lot of the 60s Batman, like too much of it. And it's just. Man, and and it's really unfortunate because there are a couple of things it tries to do where it tries to have important points thrown in and it's just they're completely undermined or like the series, you know, you have the whole eco-villain line of thought with Poison Ivy, but she's just so hokey that I can't take her seriously. Um, And Mr. Freeze, man. The thing that hurts me the most in this movie is the whole Alfred's dying subplot could be such a great movie in itself. Uh, you know, with Bruce in this movie, Bruce is not struggling with his parents. All of his flashbacks are to him and Alfred. Right. Yeah. And and Alfred trying to make Bruce a better father to, to Dick Grayson like that is the heart of this movie. And that was something I wanted two hours of. But really, we get like, what, 20 minutes of it. Um, yeah. And I think if they had focused on that and less these ridiculous action pieces. Oh, my gosh. The action is so bad. <laughs> But then they also other things. So and this is an important point to me is like, so they have three villains ish in this, right? You got Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy, and you have Bane. And Poison Ivy is like an established character that people, you know, she is who she is. She's always an eco-terrorist for whatever reason, um, whatever background she's got. Mr. Freeze, they chose. So Mr. Freeze was a terrible character until Batman, the animated series when they gave him this backstory of his of Nora Freeze uh, dying because of some disease and he does the research and actually gets sabotaged by other people. So like and they they missed that part, right? Instead of it just being a random accident, like it's there's a lot of nobility to him in the Batman Batman the animated series to the point where that's probably what made his origin, uh, which was completely again, completely written, so he was recreated as a character for the animated series in ninety-two for an episode in the first season and they won an Emmy for the writing for that uh that episode like really really good and got a lot of recognition and so they use that backstory and just botch it they're like guys like make that a you could do an entire movie on just that storyline and do a really good job with it I'm Uh, not sure why we needed both villains in this movie um we didn't I think they just decided hey we've been doing two villains and bigger is better right um, also, Mr. Freeze's wife looked a lot like Elsa. <laughs> like <laughs> well, blonde that's... hair, the the you know the snowflake necklace, and I I know this movie's way before Elsa, but I was just like, wow, yeah. Mr. Freeze is married to Elsa. How appropriate. And that's definitely. I mean, that is how it came across in 1992 as well. Like he does save her, his wife, by cryogenically freezing her, and so on. And it, it's a like people who have not watched the animated series you're okay to just watch that episode just to appreciate, like, this is the kind of writing that the animated series did that these Batman movies never did. (laughs) Um, uh, Then you also get to Bane, who, unfortunately, Bane was actually done really badly in the animated series, but he comes from uh, 
Batman Nightfall, which is a, just a storyline of the comics for a little bit less than a year. And, you know, people are more familiar with Bane now because of uh, The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> yeah. Um, although in then they change his character as well. But in this and in the animated series, unfortunately, he's just like a mindless goon who is like, you know, beefed up with essentially steroids. But in uh, Nightfall, one of the things that is supposed to make him significant, and if you read the comics, you'll be disappointed by execution, but because it's really they tell you rather than showing you. But he's supposed to be a character who out Batman's Batman. Like he's as smart as Batman and more physically capable than Batman. So he uh, he discovers who Batman is because he's smart. He wears Batman down. He figures out his weaknesses. He throws in villain after villain after villain to wear him down. Because even though he's pretty sure he can beat him one-on-one, he doesn't think it's worth doing. He's like, well, why put myself at risk if I can wear him down and then go in and just, you know, have the final, like, you know, be the breaking point when my victory is out of the question. And in that comic book series, he actually breaks Batman's back. Uh, which turns into a whole long thing where Batman, like Bruce Wayne is not Batman for a while and other people are because, you know, he's broken and he has to both physically and psychologically recover. There's a, there's a lot of that. And they took a little bit for Dark Knight Rises, but absolutely none of what made Bat- Bane compelling except for just like the steroids is what they use in this. And that's really disappointing. So um, Poison Ivy. Yes. I know that in the comics, she's a bit of a seductress. But I take uh, umbrage, is that the right word, Uh, to the fact that in these movies, when you look at the four together, both women who become villains become like sex goddesses when they become a villain. Uh, Yeah, they're like awkward and frumpy, and then they become sexy as villains. Yeah, like I I, I literally don't understand, Uh, you know... I mean, we've already talked about Selena Kyle is just wrong. There's no reason why she was supposed to be frumpy in the first place, right? They just I, I, clearly uh, they had no idea who Catwoman was, <laughs> right? Uh, you know. And with this, I, I still I just question it. Why does becoming a villainess make you uh, so sexy when she's supposed to be like a plant? I mean, honestly, I think the point is just it, it's grounded in the origins of these characters and and so on, and just the sexism of our society and which was even worse well, then yes, which I, is a big part of what women have is like their power is perceived as their power over men and that's about it which is right you know, i mean i get well. where it's coming from but there are other batman villainesses aren't there <laughs> and I, I they didn't have to go that way with both of them and i don't know no, they why they went that way with this one um i mean yes poison ivy is sexy sure uh, but is she frumpy before she becomes, it's this whole idea that like they were frumpy before and now they're, you know, uh, just like so sexy and over the top. And I'm like, where did she learn to be sexy? Like, I, I don't understand. <laughs> the plants taught it to her. The asexual plants taught her sexiness. They, yeah. They <laughs> taught her how to bring mammals into her i don't know man there's so much that's awkward about her whole thing right plants, like plants like when they have pheromones the, i i don't understand <laughs> i i don't either there's the whole thing where she dresses all her people up as gorillas when they break up the ball which i don't know that's confusing too i don't know it's a very confusing everything about her is confusing in this i think it, it um, really also is. how did the plants magically give her like poisonous lips 
you know? Uh, oh, oh, and what was the line she said? She's uh, She had chlorophyll for skin and... Um, and what was in her veins? Uh, aloe in her veins? It doesn't make any sense. That's, no, that's not how biology works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's really weird, and I don't understand why if she has this pheromones that men are susceptible to, why is Batman not? Why why is his mind stronger than like you know everyone else's? Uh, to it's 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 trying to make this argument. That like these pheromones override your mind with your biology, but Batman has control over his biology. I- yeah, it's like they're trying to overdo the part that we were talking before, where he should be, you know, in control and disciplined and mm-hmm. stuff. And now they're like giving him magic powers given to him by his education by Alfred. I guess like he's prioritizing his relationship with Robin now. I don't know. It's also, very weird. She becomes evil and she gets a different accent. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> like it's this really weird like there's a word for it and i can't put my finger on it she puts on a very specific type of like you know almost like mobster girlfriend accent i'm not sure it's an accent that i've heard before and usually in old movies and i'm just like why this accent is this accent supposed to be sexy like i and and she didn't have that accent before like i i don't understand I, I I really don't know. I can't tell you. It's it it's a very there's a lot about this that's confusing. Um, also, yeah. uh, I, Poison Ivy should have tried to seduce Batgirl. I'm just saying, like Batgirl. I should would have if this were if this were done in this decade, right? So Batgirl basically takes her down, right? Because right. she's a girl and therefore yeah. isn't as susceptible as Robin and Batman are. And I'm just like that doesn't make any sense if they're pheromones, like. That you have no power over, like it, it almost it doesn't matter what your your gender or sex is. These pheromones are telling you to be attracted to this person, whether you are or not, right? Like maybe they're male specific pheromones. Maybe they only affect males. I but so, at that so but maybe at it would the, affect gay men, but not gay women, right? But like at the like ball, maybe it seemed like she enamored everyone, male or female, right? Uh, no one was questioning. No, no, the, the women at the ball were just enamored by her fabulous outfit. Oh, obviously. I, I I forgot that we women are so easily distracted by fashion. My bad. Duh. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it, yeah. It just it just killed me. Like Poison Ivy can be such a powerful figure, and uh, they yeah. just misuse her so badly in things. Like I don't even want to know what Gotham is doing with her right now. Like I I just don't want to know. So along these lines, though, we did mention Batgirl. Um. I'm okay with the fact that this is Barbara Wilson and not Barbara Gordon. Like, well, it wouldn't make sense for her to be useless Commissioner Gordon's daughter. <laughs> right. Um, so I'm I'm okay with it being a new, like, sh- Barbara Wilson, as far as I'm aware, doesn't exist in any other form of Batman. But that's okay. There have been multiple Batgirls. It's cool. There's, like, Betty Kane, Barbara Gordon, Cassandra Kane, but a different Kane. Um, <laughs> some other... Somebody else I'm forgetting. Like, there have been multiple Batgirls. Uh, I'm I'm totally fine with that. But she doesn't add anything to this movie other than being a girl. You know, right? like, but being a girl is a lot when you're five. It's true. It's true. I, I'm, I'm, but it's like, I would have loved for them to do something with her. Now, granted, they do tell make her the computer genius, except that we see it in, like, one scene. Yeah. You know, uh, that was a little... And her computer genius consists of not having to do it upside down, I guess. Which I was... think they just didn't go far enough with her on any of the of the plots they kind of like put in right. with her. 
Like, she said she came to save Alfred from his life of servitude. Okay, I want to see Batgirl trying to break out of there with Alfred, right? Like, I, I, or her, like, learning how much Alfred cares for Bruce. She just kind of says that line, and then, like, the whole plot is dropped. It, she basically just gets over it when she finds out that they're Batman. You know, like Batman and Robin is like, oh, okay, I get it now. I was like, well, no, like his relationship to Bruce, like definitely predates Batman. Right. And she should definitely (laughs) be talking to Bruce, like interrogating him. Like she should be like a college age social justice warrior. Right. Like to the fullest extent of like, you know, that belief that college age students have that they are 100 percent right about everything. Right. Yeah. And comes in like. Wants to walk save into, her uncle and doesn't yeah. care that Bruce is rich or whatever. She's just like and telling him off. She should have no fear. Like you could use that that scene where she tells uh, Robin, uh, she tells Dick that that um, Alfred's sick and Dick doesn't know. And that's like, OK, vindication of her being right. 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 Like, right. But then she should walk into because she doesn't hear Bruce. Be like, no, no, it's worse than that. And I know because I can tell because I know him. Right. You know, and she should walk in on him. I mean, so Bruce Wayne's not, uh, like, uh, you know, a religious person, so he wouldn't be praying. But, like, you know, walk in and see him journaling or doing something, you know, taking something really seriously and then, like, reading his journal and just seeing, like, that, no, 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 no. Alfred is basically his father. You know? <laughs> like, right. like seeing something like that, but there's none of it. it. It's just dropped completely and she's made really shallow. She's not even there for the not all heroes wear masks discussion, right? Yeah. Where Alfred's, like... You know, when Batman's like, do you regret your life uh, of serving us? You know, like she's not even there. She doesn't even have that conversation with Alfred. She doesn't even ask him if he regrets his life. She just and which is fine, because once again, if you're like an 18 year old, sometimes you just like we assume we know everything. Right. Uh, That's fine. That's a fine characterization. But it just it never gets resolved appropriately other than, oh, they're superheroes. So everything's okay now. Right, exactly. There's never given any reason for her to change her mind, um, other than excitement at fighting crime, I guess. And also, why can she fight crime? Well, because since her parents died five years ago, she's been putting herself in death-defying situations. That's it. That's the only mm. rationale we get. <laughs> gotcha. It doesn't make sense. You know, I feel like we, in in our world, we 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 have a lot of potential superheroes that are just not cutting muster right now. I, I feel like... Uh, Orphans obviously get magical powers in the DC universe. Like you become an orphan, you're granted with knowledge of fighting. Uh, also, I like the how she does exactly the same thing that Dick did, which is like you wouldn't understand. My, my like my, you know my uh, my parents were killed. You wouldn't understand what it's like. <laughs> it's like does no guys, one in this house talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, is she just completely oblivious to the fact that like no no both of these guys had their parents killed right wouldn't she know that about bruce wayne at least even if she doesn't know it about dick because let's say alfred's not telling her everything she would know alfred raised bruce wayne wouldn't she like right how clueless can you be (laughs) clueless alicia (laughs) that's funny Uh, uh, but you know that said you know as a kid i ate this up because do you know how many female superheroes we had in 1990 whatever when this came out it was not very many. <laughs> we had Wonder Woman from the 70s. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was, you know, I loved her. And of course, I was like seven or whatever. Um, and, I, and I still appreciate that they tried because uh, they didn't have to. 
Uh, and uh, they dropped the ball. Like, they dropped a ball on a lot of things in this movie. But mm-hmm. at least they tried. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, it's just so much of it's dropped. Like, they just don't get any of the characters who have, like, rich things they could do with. So Poison Ivy is, you know, you can do good things with it, but often don't. You know, and... and I'm fine with her. Like, she's at least close enough to the depiction, the common depiction, that that it's not like they just didn't do a good job. Whereas the others, it's like, you have this rich execution of all three of these characters in so many places, and you're just not using any of it. Like, you just didn't do anything great with Batgirl. You didn't do anything great with Mr. Freeze, even though you've been given an Emmy Award-winning origin, and you just kind of mess it up a little bit. And then you have Nightfall. Like, you're, this is your first big introduction of Bane to the general populace, because... Most people don't know the comics or the animated series, and you made him into a dumb, like... Goon. A dumb goon instead of an intelligent villain who is Batman's equal. And it's just really weird. Lots of really weird choices that just make things shallower. Yeah. And speaking of shallow, (laughs) you have random Batman girlfriend. Oh, yes. I wanted to talk about her. (laughs) Yes, please do. She's she's in, like, two scenes, maybe three. And there's a scene where he's being interviewed and he's asked if he's in love with her. And I'm like, who is even this girl? Uh, and they're like, oh, we've been going out forever. And I'm like, wait, how long has how long has passed between this movie and Batman forever? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm so confused. Um, and then she asks Bruce to marry her. Yeah. And they never resolve that. No, they don't. She says, it's okay, take your time, think about it. Which you would think would mean by the end of the movie, he has to make some sort of choice, right? But he doesn't. He, I don't think he sees her again after that. Like, yeah, it's very- And it's really weird, because you could almost establish that, hey, settling into the family helps recover from some of the darkness. It's like, oh, I can do this now. Right, like, because you know? I have Dick, because I have Barbara, because Alfred's okay- Maybe I can take this jump and just or even just have him and Alfred having a conversation about it because Alfred thinks he's dying. Right. And as we've seen in all four movies, Alfred's been kind of characterized as wanting Batman to get married. Yeah. You know, what would be really interesting. And this is just making things up now is he's like, you know, pulls out a ring. He's like, I have a question for you. But first, I have something to show you, you know, Uh and you just end the movie like like that. Yeah. just End the movie. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so great. Uh, man <laughs> missed opportunities guys why didn't they let us just, write these movies i mean we were like five I, but whatever well no batman and robin came out when i i was what what time of the year did this come out? i was i turned 11 in 97 so you know i probably could have come up with that then no probably not <laughs> <laughs> uh there's a lot of other ridiculous things in this movie that i just want to point out all of the bat tech all of it all like, of it is just you have a bat bomb (laughs) why is the bomb shaped like a bat like i understand they do that in comic books and but why would you call it bat bomb like this is just 1960s man like you have the bat shark repellent do you do you know about that scene i do (laughs) it's just like that's what this felt like is just like flat out you know 1960s you have the uh, I'm, I'm brought up the image on, on the thing you have oceanic repellent bat sprays i i found the just a picture from the 60s thing you have barracuda repellent whale repellent manta ray repellent and shark repellent <laughs> in a bat sprays like row uh and that's what this feels like this movie felt a lot like that yeah um why does mr freeze carry the cure to uh the disease on him I, I want to say that part of it is what's keeping him alive, too. Ah, uh, maybe. 
Like that's uh, like it's going through him or something. And then um who issues a credit card to Batman? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, <laughs> never leave home without it. It was like, wait, what? What why would why wouldn't you just what? <laughs> it literally uh, like it's... that means someone somewhere sat down and said, What's your full name? And he said Batman. And they were like, Okay. <laughs> go with it. How do you do a credit check on Batman? I, I mean, I guess you just watch and see how many of his things have exploded and the fact that he continues to be able to pay for to it probably means them. he's good for it. Oh. Uh, but uh, then you also, uh, why? Like, I, I'm a little bit confused at the diamond component of... Um, yeah, it didn't of, make... I don't know why he needed Like, is his, is his suit literally consuming diamonds? Like, I think burning? So. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think that's how this works. I don't... I don't think that's how energy works, but... Yeah, th- I, I feel like if you were consuming matter... Like converting it into energy, diamonds would not be a great source compared to lots of other things like uranium. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's very weird. Uh, also, the initial like skating scene when Batman and Robin like just pop uh. ice skates out of their shoes because they happen to have them on hand. Yep. Uh, and then they're like playing hockey with this giant diamond. I'm like, guys, that would have shattered so long ago. <laughs> diamonds are hard, not strong. Like that thing would have shattered. A hundred times by the time it is shot literally into Mr. Freeze's hand. As what about their surfing from the explosion through the air? Uh, yeah, Aerodynamics yeah. totally works like that. Totally. Oh, that reminds me. That whole scene um, where Batman nearly kills Mr. Freeze by pulling his, you know, his uh, thing off of him. His, what's it called? Uh, the wings that uh, Mr. Freeze was using to glide. Yes. He, he just pulls them off of Mr. Freeze. And so if not for the freeze gun, Mr. Freeze would have died. It's like Batman was nearly a murderer and like basically was an attempted murderer at that point. Uh, I'm pretty also, sure in Batman Returns, he actually murdered people, but. That's true. Uh, or pr- I think it's true. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because there's the, the goon who threw the bomb at him and he just tosses it back and pushes him over. So yeah. it explodes. Um, but in this, uh, that scene, though, reminded me so much. And you're probably not going to remember this, but it reminded me so much of the uh Power Rangers movie uh, from nine. What year was that? I I want to say it was in the nineties, like ninety five, around this time. Yeah, ninety five. So the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, which was before this. So Mister Freeze's outfit looks a lot like the bad guy from that movie, and the movie opens with the Power Rangers as teenagers, like doing this thing, this fundraiser where they go skydiving together and do a bunch of stuff and. The White Ranger guy actually like takes a what looks like a snowboard with him in the sky, and, and does essentially this stuff like the same thing these guys do. So I was like, "Oh, look, it's the Power Rangers." I think so, this movie actually took a lot of influence from that Power Rangers movie. If I'm going to be honest, but uh, it just, maybe so. It's it's that same level of like cheese and yeah, it really is. I uh, so something else that was ridiculous, but I actually really enjoyed. Is uh, Mr. Freeze watching uh, The Year Without a Santa Claus and has like the Freeze Miser song on loop. <laughs> and, he, and he tries to get everybody to sing to it. Yeah. He's like, he's, <laughs> that was pretty great. It was so ridiculous. Like, I'm trying to imagine him before he goes psycho, just like how dorky he would be with his wife. Right? Yeah. Like, like he would be the one who's like, hey, hon, let's sit, let's sit down and watch this movie together. And she'd be like, okay, and like roll her eyes at him and just like sit down on the couch for Christmas and watch this movie. And he'd just get like ridiculously excited for some like super genius research scientist who's happily married, <laughs> you know? Um, 
And that's the thing. They just did not do enough. Like, they really should have leveraged flashbacks with his wife, his love for that relationship, and so on. And then just how his accident plus the loss and make some other humans also partially guilty of it to, like, make his anger justified, you know? Well, I, but um, I think both Freeze, the, really the problem here is both Freeze and Ivy are too big to share. They, mm-hmm. they need their own movie, you know, where they are the villain, uh, where you can fully explore, you know, Poison Ivy, first off, shouldn't have been working for some crazy psychopath in the middle of South America. I, she should have been someone who is just honestly working, you know, to save the world. Uh, and uh, something happened to her. And, you know, you're like, part of you is like, she's not wrong, right? Uh, we should be saving plants. But of course, like Batman says, not at the cost of, you know, human lives. Yeah. And then she should have this rich story. Freeze should have this rich story. But when you try to splice them together, it just falls apart. Yeah, because so there was an interesting thread that I think they just lost, which is she didn't know that Bruce Wayne had pulled funding. Right. Um, and so they could have easily done a thing where she was not crazy her boss was right, which is they right. like started that, but then they lost it. Like no, no, she's crazy. Like it could have been very much a thing where maybe she goes is uh you know this whole thing happens and uh and she's not quite crazy and starts to talk to Bruce or Bruce has been in contact and or she's she the one who the reports her boss right yeah or doing something unethical. That's another thing that got me. Um, both Poison Ivy and Catwoman, as characterized in this set of four movies, only get superpowers after they're brutalized by men. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a big thing. And I'm trying to think, uh, what's his name? The guy who played her boss. Uh, I don't know his name. Uh, John Glover. So John Glover is uh, Lionel Luther in Smallville. Oh. So, oh, which reminds me. This movie canonically puts Superman in this universe. Yes, because they talk about Metropolis. Well, uh, not just that. Um, there's a thing where... Uh, when Batman and Robin are arguing, Batman says, this is why Superman works alone. Like, he says that as a line. No, he says that's why Batman works alone. No, he says Superman, for sure. I was pretty sure he said, this is why Batman works alone. Um, no, it's, I, I, I just looked it up. This is why Superman works alone is a thing oh, that he said. I, I missed it then. I, I thought he was, like, saying this is why Batman has always worked alone and why having Robin is annoying. But... I guess I just so, you know I, I remember like giggling when they said that I was like oh where's Superman then why isn't he helping Superman never helps not in Batman hey. movies okay I was gonna say <laughs> even in Batman versus Superman oh wait we're not talking about that one yet I still haven't seen it uh, you're gonna day. have to eventually for this I, podcast I will I will I promise <laughs> um uh did you like or dislike the fact that they did the exact same ending scene to this movie as the previous one just with the three of them running yeah that annoyed me and that both the movies started the same with the superheroes getting dressed uh and that this movie also had a butt shot of them getting dressed i thought was completely unnecessary uh but yeah it kind of bothered me that these two movies were bookended exactly the same Hmm. um arkham asylum was actually like a significant part in this movie yes like i think last time we we just sort of tendentially saw it because they put they put Riddler in it at the end of last movie. Um, I also I I'm also angry that like at the end they make it seem like Poison Ivy has been broken. Like she's sitting in that cell doing like she loves me. She loves me. He loves me. He loves me not. And I'm like, she just seems like crazy and broken. But Mr. Freeze isn't. It's like 
why did she have to be broken? Like, who broke her? Like, I'm trying to remember the action yeah, sequence. I don't think like, anything she lost, but she wasn't psychologically, like, broken. <laughs> yeah, like, what would make more sense is for her to be attempting to seduce her guard and it not working because she doesn't have the pheromone stuff with her. Right. You know? Right. Like, that would make more sense. Or, like, trying to convince plants to, like, grow up through the floor or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, they just dropped a lot with them. Um, so... Also, how do you feel about bat nipples? Uh, okay. I, so it's not just in this movie. I paid attention no, the to the previous this. one. Also in the previous one. And I don't know why they need to have uh, the abs, the nipples, any of it. Like, the I'm crotch just like, area? Yeah. Well, it's unnecessary. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it serves no purpose at all. And is just weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think. Uh, I do like, and I forgot to mention this in Batman Forever, when uh, Robin is trying to throw out potential sidekick ideas, he mentions Nightwing briefly at one point. Uh, he just throws it out there and they just keep going, which is really funny. Um, also, they totally missed their opportunity by putting Seal's Kiss from a Rose in the credits to the wrong movie. Um, because they put it in Batman Forever and presumably they didn't know Poison Ivy was going to be a villain in Batman and Robin yet, but mm -hmm. Kiss from a Rose just feels like it was a good fit for Poison Ivy, and they used it in the previous movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, they did use Batman as a detective, right? So I guess they just, like, removed that from Batman and Robin, but uh, but when they were tracking down, you know, Dr. Nigma with the clues and stuff like that, uh, you did actually see some of his detective work in play, and I appreciate that. Said, that said, those clues were so obvious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, look, clock, while he's still reading the thing yeah, for the first like, time. Yeah, he's like, what is it? Oh, clock. And I'm like, yeah, as soon as you said, I've only got 12, I was like, clock. Yeah. Uh, and it was funny, because him and the Dr. Meridian, the psych like psychiatrist, psychologist, whichever, they... Uh, the two of them are like bonding over this clear intelligence they both have because they agree on the conclusion to this riddle. And I was like, guys, like a five-year-old can give you the answer to this riddle. It's a clock. <laughs> but, uh, but they did have him at least like working to figure out who it was and so on. Which I mean, is this something. movie was all action, big explosions, right? Yeah. Like they don't even try to figure out who poison Ivy is after they first meet her. And when they first meet her, she doesn't theoretically do anything bad at least she's not able to follow through with anything bad because mr freeze shows up and i think they all actually think she's part of the show because there's like miss magnolia and miss whatever and she's miss poison ivy uh mm -hmm. but i'm like wouldn't you be like hey was she supposed to be there uh should we try to figure out who she is and they never are able to put together that she is the girl who like confronted bruce about plants yeah like, it never comes up like Bruce never thinks about Dr. Pamela Eiley and whether or not she's connected and what happened with that woman who was really angry with me anyways. You know, it's weird. Uh, there's also, I mean, what you mentioned about it being a big action movie, that's probably why they hired Schwarzenegger in the first place. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it's a very weird, weird direction to this movie. Um, I don't really know that I have a whole lot else to say, though, at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think these movies get a lot of crap, but overall, all four, they're 
fun. Oh, except Batman Returns. That one's unforgivable. Batman Returns uh, is not fun at all. <laughs> it's also not good. You know, um, and, and I, I accept that the Nolan movies are good, and we all will talk about that when we talk about the Nolan movies. But when you're trying to decide what Batman movie to show your five-year-old, uh, the answer is not The Dark Knight. The answer is, you know, silly Batman Forever or Batman and Robin, you know? Uh, and I think there's nothing wrong with movies having different audiences. And I, and I think a lot of times we judge movies for having a different audience. Uh, and we think, oh, this movie's not as good because it's for 12-year-old boys as opposed to 18-year-old boys, right? Uh, but I think these movies have merit. I obviously think they have problems. Obviously. <laughs> but uh, I think we judge them too harshly overall, other than Batman Returns, which I think is unforgivable. I, I think yeah. Batman Returns is not harshly enough judged. Uh, Batman, I think, is given about the credit it's due. Batman Forever is too harshly judged. Batman and Robin, I I don't know. I have very mixed feelings. Like, Batman and Robin is the one movie that I would be willing to rewatch just for the sake of making fun of. Right, Batman and Robin is fun. Is it ridiculous? Does the action make no sense? Uh, yes. I'm not sure I'd let my little kids watch it just because there's a lot of sex in this movie. Kind of like what we talked about with Batman Returns, right? Yeah. Um, you know, when they're talking about Poison Ivy and they're like, well, you know, she's got great stems. Yeah, she's got great buds. Like, you're not fooling anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, just as a side note, I just noticed this on the IMDb page for Batman and Robin. Coolio, the musician, plays a banker. Just like a random banker, apparently. <laughs> That's super random. <laughs> that is random. Yeah, I was just like looking at this. I was like, Coolio? <laughs> that person has a single name in the credit. Weird. Uh, anyways. Yeah. yeah. You know, this movie is not great. <laughs> no. But uh, it's not. Uh, I will be interested after we watch Batman versus Superman to know which is better. Yeah. Uh, I'll be interested to see that. <laughs> but uh, listeners, you're going to hear Mandy and I right now decide whether we're going to go into the keep going forward in Batman or if we're going to roll back to Superman classic movies. Oh, man, that's that's a tough call. Uh, I think we might should roll back before we go forward. I, I think so, too. So so if you're if you've been listening to these and you want to get out ahead, um, go back and watch Superman one and two. And the good and we will wait. <laughs> we hope that the good ones. I yeah, mean, as, I as we figured out now, is that general consensus doesn't need to necessarily hold. After it has been a long, much longer since I've watched the Superman movies and the Batman movies too. So I'll, I'll be interested to see what I what I think about them. Yeah, and they're much older movies too. Like Superman yeah. was seventy eight, and Superman two is nineteen eighty. Yep. So you're talking ten and like fourteen years before the the uh, the. The first two Batman movies, so yeah, it'll uh, we'll see how those go. Um, in the meantime, though, if you want to see like again, and I mentioned this a lot in the last episode that we talked about Batman, the Batman animated series comes highly recommended. Um, I mean, Mandy, at some point, you and I are gonna have to podcast about it, and maybe you know, if you have it in you to watch the entire series, that'd be one thing, but if not, then we can probably pick apart episodes and give recommend and like tell listeners ahead of time what episodes to watch um that like would be essential but it's a there's a lot more like all of the good elements of these movies all, every single good element in these movies is present in the animated series and the bad elements are almost all absent so uh in the animated series so yeah 
can recommend. Um, but I guess that's it for us uh, this week. So uh, everybody start preparing. We've, we've got a few different topics coming your way after this, but uh, start preparing for Superman. And yeah. Uh, yeah. At least it has we'll John Williams music. So you know it's got to be at least a good sure. soundtrack. Oh, that is a thing. These movies, just soundtracks just fall flat, right? They're like pop music soundtracks that are not, definitely not uh, up to the level of John Williams or Danny Elfman. No. So that was real disappointing. Um, okay. Well, uh, until next time, uh, you can follow Mandy on Twitter at Brown underscore Aja. That's A-J-A-H. You can follow me on Twitter at Auhim. That's A-U-H-I-M. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Triv Crucial. And you can check out the website at TriviallyCrucial.com.